Hello, hello, everyone. I just got off with my marketplace mini mind. I think we had like four minutes left. I was like, if someone has a quick question, I can be here. Otherwise, <laughs> I'm going live for Grow and Scale Day 3. So first of all, if you are here, I want you to take a moment to just like acknowledge yourself because we have it's kind of bananas over two days how much we have covered, right? Like to have such an in-depth understanding of the four distinct phases of business, to understand like where do people go wrong? Where do people fall in holes in every one of those things? Um, how do I think about what business structure is best for me given like my unique desires? Um, what strategies should I be like really working on based on who I am? And so it feels like, you know, business is hard enough as it is. We don't have to make it harder by doing things that like aren't like the best decisions that aren't the best paths for us. And so I think all of those things, right. To just like have a moment where you're like, holy crap, like two days ago, I didn't have any of this on my radar. Right. I think someone was like sharing an Instagram. I think they were like, not going to come to this. And they were like, I'm blown away by how much I'm learning. She was saying like, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to come to another three, uh, free thing. And her intuition was like, go there. It's important. Um, and to just acknowledge all of you that have like taken the time because like what you're walking away with in such a short period of time really does. It's not just going to help you this year in your business. Like literally this is just like, it's how gravity works. It's just like the gravity of a business, right? It's just like, no, whether you see it or not, this is always what's underpinning things. Um, and there's just like so many statistics on like when you run three-day things, when you run five-day things, it's like there is just a drop-off, right? And like you all who are here, you're like the people, right? You're the people where you're like, oh, I'm not messing around. I'm like serious about my business. I'm like in it, right? And so I want to just like take a moment and hope that you're seeing yourself because like the fact that you have shown up every day and you're getting what you came for, it's like, it means something, right? And to take a moment to like really see that in yourself. So with that, let's go to day three, shall we? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna share my screen. There we go. All right, growth and scale day three, let's go. All right, same deal as every other day, prepare your space. If you need a drink or if you need to clear stuff, close out tabs, give your kids an iPad. <laughs> I've always got to say to give your kids an iPad. Um, honor your le learning style. If it takes notes, take notes. If you want to screenshot stuff, feel free to screenshot stuff. Um, and relax because a replay is going to be provided. Again, this is like today we're going, Catherine's rising Capricorn is coming out again. We're going into profitability, profit planning, all that kind of stuff. And so there's going to be very specific benchmarks and things for you to be thinking about for your business right now. And you want to be tracking and, and like track what's springing up in your mind. Right. Um, and then whatever questions you have at the end of today's training, feel free to ask them, um, ride with us all the way through. So if you stay all the way through, I will stay on at the end to answer as many questions as you all have. Tag us on social. So if you have a favorite insight, a favorite takeaway, tag us at Catherine Morrison coaching on all the things. And if you know someone that this training would benefit, share it with them because like, this is like, I'm encapsulating so much of my work over 15 years and like working in companies and now working with business owners in the online space for five years. Like there's a lot of juice in this squeeze. 
So today we're going to cover profit planning for each of the four distinct phases of business building, when to invest heavily in business growth and how to invest because it's way more than hiring coaches and mentors, and then when to pump the brakes. The biggest mistakes business owners make in the short term that actually harm their ability to grow in the medium term and how to avoid them, underinvesting, overinvesting, and proper strategic investing. All right. Now, here's just a quick, if you are new to me, um, a lot of what we're diving into today is business profit planning, but it's a foundational building block of just money management and understanding how money works. Um, and I actually, it was last year, I created an entirely free course on we like wealth, money management. Like there's a little bit of like looking at the beliefs, like the beliefs of your family system. There's a lot of strategy and looking at the different types of investment accounts you can look at, high yield savings accounts, um, when to keep money liquid, when to, when to like store it and like, you know, not have it, um, in different investment vehicles. So it's like a lot of actual, like money strategy. Um, and you can, if you do not have that, I highly recommend going to katherinemorrisoncoaching.com forward slash wealth. It's completely free. And it's like, listen, y'all, <laughs> I know some things about money. Um, so fun fact, actually, I almost became a financial planner. Turning money into wealth is my jam. So when I was like tired of my nine to five, I was just like, I had to get really, I thought my, I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I was like, I just have to get really good at saving money, managing money, turning money into more money through different investment vehicles. And so I'm not like, listen, I do have a YSL bag. I love me my YSL bag, but more importantly, my kids college savings accounts are going to be fully funded by the time they're adults. Right? It's actually funny if you have, um, these are actual screenshots of my three kids college savings accounts. And if you watch Wealth Codes, I talk in there about how when I started my business, I turned off one of my kids' college savings accounts to invest in myself and my business. And this is why you'll see my 10-year-old has a certain number, and then my 7-year-old and my 4-year-old are about the same. And that is showing, like, I turned off, like, there's not, there's a lack of compounding. But don't worry, I, because I invested in my business, is now doing very well, and we're going to catch him up. Right. But like, this is for those of you that took wealth codes. If you remember me talking about that, this is the screenshot that's showing. That's why that number is the same for like my middle son, who's three years older. Um, I invest in real estate. So it's like, I, I understand, like, I don't just, I'm not just like the flashy, let me show you champagne on the internet person. Like I strongly believe in building a high net worth. I was a multimillionaire by the time I was 34. And it's not just like to have money sitting in my bank account. So full disclaimer, I almost became a financial planner, but I am not your financial, you have not paid me for services to financially advise you. So like, we're going to talk about things today, but you should consult with your accountant, your financial planner or money manager. And online training to thousands of people is 1000% not a substitute for specific personalized financial advice from a, from a professional who's like aware of all the facets and, and circumstances of your individual situation. So take what I'm saying today, and then you can go consult with your financial professional around how you want to implement this stuff. And here's the other thing, because it's like, listen, I, I do like to flex my savings account and, and different numbers, right? Because I'm just like, I think a lot of people don't talk about how like that number matters more than whether or not you have a YSL bag. 
But some of the stuff I'm most proud of about being very wealthy is that I'm able to make decisions without needing to think long and hard. And so this is like a quick story of like when I, the year after I went to college, I was a teacher in Namibia. This is me like sitting on the floor. Uh, this was cabbage. This, like, this was like the kind of, this was literally my bed that I slept in when I lived in Namibia. There was no air conditioning, but we had a fan and we had a mosquito net because there was malaria. So this was what I did the year after college. I went and I taught school um, to fifth and sixth graders in Namibia. And when I got back, it was like years and years. I hadn't heard from anyone really, like since the time that I was a teacher there. And then there was this one day that I got an email and it had actually taken a little bit of time because it was like my learner. We didn't call them students in Namibia. We called them learners. My learner, Max, had reached out to me. Um, from, I don't know, it's probably like 10 years later, right? Because he was in his third year at Namibia University and I had been his teacher when he was in sixth grade, right? So he didn't know what to do. His father had passed away and his mom didn't have a job and he was going to have to drop out and not be able to finish university. And he thought like, who do I know and who could help me? And he found me. And I didn't have to think about it at all. I just sent him the money and I paid off his entire, the rest of his university bill with one click of a button, right? And so when I talk about the importance of wealth and money and having money available, it's things like this. Like we've been able to pay for fertility treatments for a family member and now I have a new niece, right? So like there's just certain things that when you take the responsibility for building your dream the way that you want to build it, it's about so much more. It's like what that money is. It's a resource. It's a tool that can do so much good in the world. Which brings us to money is a resource. It's a tool and money loves a plan. So again, these are my complaints. <laughs> Everyone online is talking about their flashy top line revenue numbers and very few people are profit planning. So this was literally, you can see here, it's one day that's the timestamp. I am like, I cut off all the people's names. You're going to see there's, there's some screenshots on the coming slides. Get ready, y'all. I am in a mastermind right now with people who are mostly in the million dollar, multiple million dollar level of businesses. And just yesterday, I saw this come through. Hey, I saw this question in the free group and was curious about your thoughts. Someone asked the biggest shift from six to seven in business revenue. As I see it, seven-figure revenue is very different from seven-figure personal net worth or seven-figure take-home income. We have been at multi-seven in our biz revenue for years, but take-home is very different after expenses. For those who have achieved seven-figure take-home income or net worth through your business, what was the biggest shift that you feel unlocked that for you? And you know, I was like getting in there, rolling up my sleeves because <laughs> these are my feelings, right? I'm just like, I'm the person who's like boring. I've like for 15 years, I've been like putting money away, right? And I'm like, oh, I, I can help with this question, right? So I came in and I responded. I was like, I'd love to nerd out with you on this. I have yet, I have yet in my business to have seven figures of profit in a single year, but I've hit multi seven figure net worth. And then I go on to tell her, I'd love to talk to you about this, okay? And then this is what comes in. Like legit, like this is uh, like the entire, all of these mul mul people making multiple millions of dollars are like, can you help me with this? And so if you're not at multiple seven figures now, just know that if you fix it now, <laughs> you won't need to have something like 
one of my colleagues from this mastermind, they were, she was going to try to sell her business. They had to take it off of the market. Their profitability was too low to even go up for a sale. It wasn't it, like they weren't able to sell it. And so the conversation we're having today I, is as relevant now as it is going to be for all of these people who are making millions of dollars that are like, please tell me what to do with my profit planning. And so we're going to walk through today all of the four phases of business. Okay. So where are we going to start? We're going to walk through what does it mean for every one of the phases for what profit planning should look like in each of the phases. So as a reminder, we have start and validate, we have grow, we have stabilize, maintain or refine, and then we have scale. So getting into the green zone, just like how your business strategies are different, depending on what phase of business you're in, you're also going to have different profit margins and a different pathway to profitability, depending on which part of this map you're on. And so we're going to look at what's the purpose of each phase and how does that inform your pathway to profitability in that phase? The start validate phase. This phase is the opposite of profit. <laughs> so those of you that are here, sorry, there's not a pathway to profit in this phase. In this phase, the goal is creating market validation. And in this phase, it is your job to feed the baby, which is your business, right? Your business has like, it's you, it's your ability to create money through your business. And it's different things that you, the business might need to thrive and you have to feed it and nurture it and take really, it's the same as a baby, right? When something's a tiny baby, it's like wanting to eat all the time. It needs you to hold it all the time. It needs a lot of care. And so here we're not trying to like ask our business to pay us some fat salary. That would be like sending your six month old out to work for you to be like, bring me a paycheck six month old. It's like, what? <laughs> like, how about you feed me? So I grow up. And then maybe if you're nice one day, I'll take care of you. What is happening? It's like going backwards. There we go. Okay. Okay. And we are very, very lucky as digital entrepreneurs. It took Uber 14 years and nearly $32 billion of cumulative losses before Uber ever turned a profit. 14 years and $32 billion of cumulative losses. <laughs> so I'm not asking you to be Uber, but let's just look at in general, what does it usually look like? The bar is generally it takes about two to three years to be profitable. Right, so you can just look it up online. There's lots of studies that show it. It doesn't need to take two to three years to hit profitability. But there's a lot of people that are like, I'm tired of my nine to five job. And I heard I can just like pick up my phone and start making money. And I'm just like, you will are in for a surprise, sir. <laughs> right. And I think it's true. I think it's like, it's almost like, uh, like a protection mechanism, right? Like to be a, a true entrepreneur, you need to be willing to like, to do things in the world that other people aren't willing to do. Otherwise everyone would be doing it. Right. And so if you feel in a hurry, you just, you will miss important details and you'll end up cutting the wrong corners and you'll keep your business sort of stuck at a lower revenue number than it needs to be. So I'm not asking you for 14 years and $32 billion in losses before you turn a profit, 
But the biggest mistake I see people in the start validate phase make as business owners is under investing in themselves and their businesses and then expecting their tiny baby business that like made, maybe it's like their first $2,000 or $3,000. And then they like go blow it on. So they're like, Oh, it's exciting. Let me go shopping. I'm like, Oh, the baby needs to eat. Right. <laughs> right? So like people that start making money and they're making less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. And they're expecting the business to be their salary. When I'm like, you need to feed the baby. <laughs> And so if you're serious about being an entrepreneur, I highly recommend investing, I would say most of your first $100,000 back into the business, like your, your own self, your education, your ability to maybe get into masterminds to meet different networks of people, like not willy nilly. This is like, I have very strong feelings about people. I feel like the same thing happens with like coaching as it did with college, like investing in college. People are like, oh, if I buy this, if I spend this money, then, then it's like a, a, a thing and I can like pull out and then I'm like successful. And I'm like, no, you, you have to do the, do the work. <laughs> you can't just like get the college degree and then be like, now I'm like entitled to everything. Right. But like, you have to think about what are strategic investments. And there was an online entrepreneur. And I remember she, like I, Brooke Castillo said, she was like, I recommend you invest like your first hundred thousand dollars back into the business. And at the time I was like, that's crazy. What, like what's happening? But then I was like, wait, I worked in tech. I saw it was like, they go get VC money. If you open a brick and mortar, you take a loan from a bank. Like there's so many different, like, and then we're so entitled as digital business owners to think that like, we should just be able to like pull stuff out. And like, if we're not millionaires tomorrow, it's like literally insane to me, <laughs> like the entitlement that has sort of come in the online space. So for the people that like really want to make it work, you have to be willing to like, be in co-creation with making it work. A little tough love. Um, all right, so where does that money go? These are the five areas for potential investment. I would say increasing your mastery of your craft, right? So maybe you're an operations consultant. Maybe you go get some really cool thing. I don't know if there's like some new operation like way of doing, maybe you're like a project manager and you wanna get like agile, like some sort of training or certification, right? Um, anything that will allow you to up-level your delivery for clients and then charge more. Um, for Like for me, when I went into coaching, even though like I actually started as a career coach, I didn't think I was going to be a business coach, even though I'd worked my whole career in business development. Um, I should have known I was going to become a business coach, but I went and I think it was nine or $12,000 to do a coach certification. And that was like, I was like, yes, I'm doing that. If I want to be a coach, I'm going to like invest in myself. This is like, I'm taking this seriously. This is the next chapter of like the rest of my life. Um, also thinking about developing your skills as an entrepreneur, branding and visibility strategy, messaging, and being able to call ready buyers in quickly, really getting good at business, the strategy of business, understanding the end goal and the most efficient, easeful path to get there. Um, your mental and emotional health, right? Therapy, somatic experiencing, healing, life coaching, any of that kind of stuff. Um, I And I think it's like, um, I remember when I went through my first coach training, one of the things they told us was like, if someone comes to you and they're like non-functioning, like they're, they're unable to like do the work, they're like in too much contracted fear, like you should refer them to therapy. And so I do just want to say this now, like for anyone that's listening, if you are in the coaching space, but you feel like almost frozen and contracted, 
um, you should see a therapist or, or get some sort of like, you know, trauma, someone who's trauma informed, someone who's able to help you more with the nervous system um, before you're trying to do the business strategies, right? Um, mentorship and masterminds. Listen, I believe very strongly in cutting checks to get places faster. <laughs> if someone could tell me like, do this, this, and this. And when I look, it's like literally been like my trajectory, right? I've grown so fast because I've been willing to put myself in very high level rooms that one put me uh, with a mentor. That's like, they can tell me how to get there so much faster and like help me and help me really see like the, the things I might not be seeing based on their experience. But then also literally like I, I can't, when I, I went last year for the first time ever, not in a mastermind in my business. And I like cried on the podcast at the end of the year, like being in high level masterminds. Cause you have to think you're the, some of the five people that you're like surrounded with. So you want to increase the quality of the rooms that you're in. And the way that you do that is you go into very curated spaces with high level people. And for me, joining masterminds has put me like, there were people that I like dreamed of when I first started, like I thought they were like the big names and now I like text with them. It's like unbelievable. Right. But it was like me being willing to believe that I could be at that level. And then I played there. Um, next business assets website, CRM, any hardware, like computers, any of your tech stack, any of that kind of stuff. You want to do this focusing on marketing and sales. So really focusing on your branding and your messaging up here, and then your delivery in the very beginning. You do not want to do this. <laughs> Let me build a fancy website, but then I don't have like any social media presence to bring them there. And I remember there was like a time in the very beginning of my business when I was like coaching people one-on-one -on -one and someone was like, they thought they like had to get all this like really extensive software set up, but she like didn't have any clients. And I'm like, I have like 15 clients and I have like a Google spreadsheet. Like, do you think, do you think you could just do that? <laughs> right. So like, and this kind of thing, it feels productive. I see a lot of people stay stuck here. They're like, no, 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 I'm working on my business, but really they're like hiding from like from having to go out in front and ask people to pay the money. So you want to focus up here, not back here in the beginning and here in your delivery. All right. This isn't a get rich quick scheme. This is a build wealth sustainably plan. So when you have patience now, when you're willing to be the person, this is a marshmallow. So if you have ever uh, listened to my podcast on the marshmallow experiment, there is a long running Stanford experiment. And it was about kids that basically it was like they were offered. It's like you can either eat one marshmallow now, or if you're willing to wait, you are guaranteed more marshmallows in a little bit. And most people, they couldn't wait. Like most of the kids, they just ate the one marshmallow. And we, this is just what we see in the business space, right? I just feel like what I've been able to do is I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm like not in a rush. Like I'll do the investments, I'll do what I need to do. And I, and I now have all the marshmallows, right? And so it's like really just being willing to be like, am I gonna eat the one marshmallow now? Or can I build this in a way that's sustainable so that I have so many more marshmallows later? And you can look that up. It's the marshmallow experiment from Stanford University. If you're like, what are you talking about? Or I have a podcast about it. All right. The growth phase. So this is the phase where we meet our friend, profitability. Hello, profitability. You've reached your first $100,000. Now what? You want to start to plan for profit at this point. So 
some quick back of the napkin math. And again, I don't know who all is here, but what I'm talking about when I say 40 to 60% is the margins I want to be working with you all on. I'm assuming this is for digital businesses. So if you're doing something like, I know I do work with some people that own spas or um, have some sort of brick and mortar presence. Um, and they're coming to me for like help with their social media and like the brand alchemy accelerator. This is different than that. Obviously, if you have some sort of brick and mortar or a store, like you're going to have more overhead. This is really for people in the digital space. We're very lucky to be able to run businesses with very high profitability. I have some friends with 80% profitability. It's really quite yummy. Um, so quick reminder of what profitability means. It's your, there's your top line revenue. And then there's your expenses. When you take your top line revenue and you minus expenses, that's when we get to what your profit is. And so this is just some super back of the napkin math. Let's say your revenue is $140,000 and you pay yourself 50 grand and your expenses around $34,000. That gives you $56,000 in profit. And we're going to talk about where that goes in a minute. Don't worry. Cause you're like, wait, what? I'm going to pay myself 50, but then I have 56,000 left over. Like, what am I doing with all that? Like that, that's more profit than I'm paying myself. This is the marshmallow test, right? <laughs> or we could look at revenue of something like $300,000. Maybe you're paying yourself $75,000. Your expenses are $60,000 and your profits $165,000. So here it's around 40%. Here it's around 55%. And then this is like, where I want to talk about, I've been saying this for years. This is episode 134 of my podcast. I had a whole episode on the problem when people say they want to make $100,000 is they're talking then about top line revenue and they're not keeping in mind anything around expenses and investments they want to make for the long-term sustainability of their business. They're not talking about like the, the big juicy profits that they want to have to have business reserves and all of the other things, right? And so it's like, like just a hundred thousand dollars for most, for most people that puts you in like a, yeah, you could like kind of live on it, but like, it's hard to really save on and it's hard to get to, um, sustainable wealth with that kind of goal. And so I find a lot of people, they, they're, they're not planning for profitability and then they start making money and then they like have lifestyle creep. They start spending more in their life. They start like just making willy nilly like purchases in their business that aren't like strategic before revenue is high enough to sustainably support it. And then like January comes and they're like, shit, where did all my money go? And I'm like, oh, you didn't plan for profit. <laughs> but if we're doing what we did on the last slide, then you're going to have lots of juicy profit left over. And then it's like, what the heck do you do with that? Oh, wait, is that right? What am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> I'm like lost. Oh, here we go. Is this it? No. Okay. Hold on. I need to even like stop my share and go back. I'm like unaware of what to do here. People. My mouse is like being, oh, here we go. I do. I just do this. Can you all see my screen? Actually, let me go back. Sorry. User error. <laughs> Oh no, that was, that's so funny. That was the next slide. And here I, I'm keeping you all now. So now you just got a little bit of fun for the moment. Now I'm going to share my screen again, and we're just going to go back to the right slide because apparently it was this one. Okay. Oh yes. If I had looked at it for a second, I would have seen that this was right. Okay. So what do you do with all that profitability? <laughs> this is where the two roads diverge in a wood. 
And if you ever studied poetry, that's a poetry reference. If you didn't, it's fine. But basically we have two different roads that are going off now. If you get to the point where you're growing and you're just looking to maybe make $100,000 to $300,000 a year, then you're going to go into like growing, maintaining, refining. And in this phase, your profitability, you want to start to have business reserves of three to six months. And then you can start to have things like strategic long-term investments. That could be something that you're saving for um, in your company. But if you're really going into maintain and refine, it's probably just like your standard um, business investments that you're making. And maybe you're someone that you start to make $300,000 a year, and then you're pulling out some of that profit and you're starting to do real estate investment, or you're starting to do something where you're taking that profit and rather than eating it, you're starting to put it into things that will snowball and build wealth for you. Or here, if you're going into scale, this is where really like you're going to start to build wealth with your company, right? Like here, it's like, this is, a, I would consider this more of like a lifestyle business. Like you can live on this and like have some and throw off the profitability. Whereas like when you go to scale, you're looking to like, I'm going to build wealth from running a company, right? So you want to start to, in this phase, actually put aside a juicy nest egg for the scale phase. Because when you go into scale sprints, it requires a lot of reinvestment back into the company. And we'll talk about what that is in a minute. Um, also business reserves of three to six months, and then also strategic long-term investments. So I run a company, but we also do a lot of investing in real estate. And so I just like to have a lot of diverse streams of money. Like I have um, stock that just send, like brings me money. And I have high yield savings accounts that just bring me money and real estate that just brings me money. And then my company brings me money. And so once you have the company at a point where it's like generating enough money, this is like, you have to nail your active stream of income. And then once you've nailed that active stream of income, you can start taking some of that profit and throwing it off into other strategic long-term investments. All right. And then remember, some types are meant to fully scale and some aren't. So we talked about the passionate helper. And if this doesn't feel aligned, if you got that, but you're like, I want to scale, then just throw this in the trash, right? But for most passionate helpers that I've worked with, they tend to want to work either in one-on-one -on -one or small group situations. And so their ideal business structure was that more like grow and then down into maintain and refine. And that's going to be their path for profitability planning. Whereas for most, like most of the people who are like the empire building entrepreneurs and the visionary creatives, there's just a lot more. You're like, oh, I'm like hungry. I want to eat the world like an apple. And that's going to have a, it's going to be more of a scaled operation that you're going to want to work in. This isn't a get rich quick scheme. This is a build wealth sustainably plan. Let's talk about the scale phase now, shall we? All right. So when you go to scale, periods of scaling will require heavy reinvestment back into the company. Now, for those of you that are going to scale right now, you remember this part of the start phase where it's like you saw like you were willing to keep going. Some people weren't. You saw them all sort of fall off or like stay looping here for years. But you like you put in the investments, you did the work. You're now here. Now that's great. Congratulations. That's the good news. Now I have the other news, which is you're basically in a phase that's going to feel like this. Because when you go into a scale phase, remember in the start validate where it's like you had to be willing to like have heavy investment into your company, into you, into getting yourself into the right rooms, into your skills, into like all the things in this phase. 
And then you had a phase where it probably felt like feasting. When you go to scale, it's going to be another period of heavy reinvestment. So you might've had a period of like a few years of like really juicy, giant profit margins. Like when I said 80%, maybe you're like, yep, that's me right here. When you go to hire people, when you go to like actually build stuff out, you're going to notice your profit margins are going to dip, not forever, but I would even say 10 to 20% profit margins are totally fine in scale periods when you're making a bet on like, I'm going to bring someone in and they're going to do this, this, and this, and I'm going to give it time to, to give them a runway for them to actually begin producing result, results and like bringing, actually like bringing money into the company, um, different things like that. And so where's all that investing going when you are going in the scale period? Team. Team will start to become one of your highest when you look at your like PL. It's going to be one of the top lines for you. You're going to start with beginning with delegating tasks. When you just have a VA that's super light, when you go into, if you're like really going into like, I'm running a company, you're going to have salaries to pay for people, right? And that's going to, you're going to start with just delegating tasks. That's more with a VA. And then we're going to move you into delegating out entire departments. So someone's going to run your marketing. Someone's going to run all of the operations. They're going to be putting the things on your calendar, right? Like that kind of thing. It's like a proper company, right? Then developing higher level skills as an entrepreneur. At this point, you have the branding down, you have the messaging down, and you're really moving more into scaling. So we're looking at moving you into a scalable offer suite, getting the right team in place, getting systems in your company, advanced marketing strategies like evergreen funnels or automated email infrastructure. That's just like, it's the ding, ding, dings of the purchases while you're like out at the grocery store, right? So it's like the people who are sort of willing to put in the active years of work are the ones who get the passive income easily later, right? You could also look at things like specialization. So maybe if you're running a membership, maybe you want a very specific, you want to start learning very specifically about that exact type of offer, right? And the different things that make that different than other things. Um, or maybe you want to get really masterful at paid ads. Uh, myself and my ops person were in a high level Facebook ads mastermind for an entire year, getting really good at ads. Then there's things like leadership, like leading a team is, is different, Right? You might have done it in a corporate environment. And even for me, I, I led teams a lot in when I was an employee. It feels different when it's your company and building a whole proper company. Like these are skills you're going to want to develop. Again, mental and emotional health. Just because you get rich doesn't mean that you stop being a human. So giving yourself whatever you need, therapy, somatic experiencing, life coaching, all that stuff. And I should say here, this is to your accountant. This is not going to look like a business expense. Um, and so they probably won't uh, like, they wouldn't, I don't think this would, they would allow you to classify this as a business expense, but I'm putting this in here because I am always coaching the whole human. And I have, it's like this weird thing where it's like, if we don't take care of ourselves, of course, we can't do a good job in business. Like if you need mental and emotional support, 100%, that's just as important as any of the, like, if you're not, if you don't have the basics covered, good luck doing like the business strategy stuff, um, mentorship and masterminds. Huge fan. Cut checks to move faster and build a higher value network so that you can get onto bigger podcasts, right? You're going to start to know people that you can collaborate with that have bigger audiences, higher visibility online, and that then brings you more buyers faster. Masterminds are such a beautiful place to do something like that. Business assets, website, CRM, any hardware like computers, things like that. And then in a scaled business, something like paid marketing. So after your branding and your messaging is a dialed in, 
you just turn on the money machine, <laughs> right? Like that's when you get to the point where it's like, you can turn it up really fast, bring a lot of leads in quickly. And there's not holes in the bucket, right? It's like, you figured out the funnel that it's like, I say this, I say this, I say this, a client drops in and you just have that automated. Like I remember the first day last year, we had two clients uh, buy a $3,000 offer on the same day. And I was like, Oh, $6,000. Just like, I'm just, it, I think it was like on a Sunday, I was like playing with my kids. It's a very fun experience when you get to that level. And it's just like the dings of payments coming in. All right. Back of house comes now when you're going into the scale phase, right? So like, remember before this is like, we didn't need all this before we needed the people that would be supported with some broader back of house operation. But in the beginning, in your first hundred thousand dollars, when you're really focusing on the branding and the messaging and your delivery, you're going to start to have so many clients wanting to come to work with you. You're going to need things like systems, things like teams, things like a CRM system and all the other things, right? Whereas like probably for the first year or two, a Google spreadsheet was doing you just fine. It definitely was for me, right? So allowing yourself to really focus up here, but then when you go to scale, really looking at what these things are. And if this is like, if you're sort of here where you like don't quite have a back end, you might want to listen to episode 96 of my podcast. It's like me and my operations manager. And she talks about how I brought her on. And she was like, I thought you wanted me to like help like renovate the house, like the back end, but like you brought me on in like a $500,000 business. <laughs> And there was like nothing. She was like, it was like you brought me in and it was like an empty parking lot, right? So just recognize you can get very far with like magic and and like your ability, like your belief, right? But at a certain point, you're going to need a back end. All right. And then next we can talk about things like different benchmarks for investing or like the the sort of percentage like um that you should or shouldn't be spending on things and i wanted to give these examples i remember being in a mastermind where a lot of us had live events and then someone was like what percentage should i be spending on my live event and it led to this really interesting discussion where we all had different percentages that we were spending like basically let's say we um sold an offer and it was like $300,000 then some of us were like oh well we'll spend 5% on the live event we'll spend 10% right whatever the thing was um and i just remember noticing how there were some people where it was like their brand didn't align itself with having any sort of like zhuzhi, beautiful life. It was just like very bare bones, like a hotel conference room with some donuts. And that was what their brand was. And it was fine because that remember there's buyers and sellers for every brand. And so for them, their their percentage was lower on what they were spending for live events. Whereas like something like if you're a sophisticated savant and you're running client retreats, you're going to probably, you're going to be spending more percentage wise of what you've sold out onto actually running the client retreat. And that is correct for you because your brand attracts more premium discerning clients. So like if the sophisticated savant had like a client retreat and it was like some crappy rundown hotel with like gum on the bottom of the seat, they'd be like, what is happening? Like they would, like it's buyers and sellers and the match between them, right? Whereas the empire building entrepreneur will likely have a much higher spend than the other types on paid marketing because ad funnels generally tend to be a strategy for this type that like make their heart sing. And it, because it makes their heart sing, it means their funnels have a great ROI. All right. So we've talked about all of these phases. Now let's talk about refine and stabilize. So when I'm working with you all on scaling, we want to go into scale sprints. 
And then there's going to be periods where you're refining and stabilizing, which basically means bringing the business back to equilibrium and higher profitability. And so, except now, instead of like back here, where you had like 50% profitability on $300,000, when you get up here, you're going to have 50% profitability on $1,300,000, which is $650,000 in profit after paying yourself, right? Which is pretty fun. And it makes you super grateful to pass you for all of the heavy reinvestment you had to do in the scale phase to get you here because you build oomsh, like you set an entirely new baseline as what's normal for you. And so this is the sort of all the way through what it's going to look like. And then of course, some people, listen, this keeps going off and it could go up into the right for a long time, but some people are going to get to like maybe 2 million and they're going to feel like super complete. And then they would go to maintain, right? They would go to maintain rather than like into another scale sprint. But for those of you that sort of keep wanting to scale, then you'll refine, stabilize, get the profitability back up, prune back the non-essentials, and then you would prop for another sort of um, period of heavy reinvestment back into the company. This isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. This is a build-wealth-sustainably plan. When you have patience now, you guarantee yourself a profitable later. And now a Goldilocks tale. Are your investments too hot, too cold, or just right? First, let's talk about over-investing, where I see people over-investing. Let's talk about the certifications collector. <laughs> we all know one of these people, right? And it's like you want to have a business, but you are scared of being seen, which I would say you need to do some internal rebrand work to allow yourself to be visible. And so there's a lot of people that they'll invest in like eight certifications. They have no clients. <laughs> They've invested in no sales or marketing training at all but they have eight certifications. So like if for some, by some stroke of luck, a client were to magically drop in, they would have a very educated, certified pedigree to help that person with, right? But the thing is about this, I, I am joking, but it is like, I do feel compassion because what's happening psychologically for this person is they're super insecure. They're not confident. And because we've been taught Right. We've been taught in society, like, you know, what's great is like status and status is something like certifications and degrees. And so people like they they have this like hole inside of them from not being confident and they're trying to fill it with a lot of certifications. But like you can't certify yourself out of a confidence problem. Right. So it would be like working on something to get you like willing to be seen, willing to show up, get whatever you have. It's like it's a you with you problem, not a you with certifications problem. And once you clear that up, then what's beautiful is you'll get the branding and messaging stuff. And then you're going to have this beautiful, super certified, very like delivery will be very high, but you have to clear up this part here to be willing to be seen. Then there is people who invest because they think that the coach or the mentor has like the magical pill. And they think that they don't have it. Like they think that they aren't magical and they think that they aren't good enough. And they think they have to like hire the coach to like somehow magically fix them, which is the same thing you see in diet culture when people are buying diet pills, right? Like you see, there's like the, like, remember this isn't get rich quick. This is build well sustainably. So that like, same thing with nutrition. There's like, okay, holistic nutrition, intentional living, having a body that wants to be naturally thin, whatever the thing is. And then there's like yo-yo diets and diet pills, right? 
And so I think there's like, people can be in this, like this over here, like the yo-yo diet, diet pill kind of mentality around business and wanting to think that some mentor, some coach is going to be the magical fix for them. And so you want to be very um, aware of if that's where you're coming from, you want to get to, it doesn't even mean maybe you still want to work with that coach or mentor, but if you come from a disempowered place, expecting them to like fix you, that's, that's a you with you thing, <laughs> which, you know, you've got to work on in yourself. And then coaching is really a co-creation with the coach, right? So you're coming there completely whole and complete, and you're going there to really brainstorm and creatively work with someone to help you. All right. There's also the fancy people tell me what to do person. And this overinvesting issue happens most during the start validate phase where like you're scared and you think you don't know what you're doing. So you like want to hire the person to build your website and to write your copy and to do your brand. And like you want to hire everything out so that you don't have to like deal with your insecurity. Um, and this also happens during the scale phase. I literally was just listening. There was a, um, a video that came out, Vanessa Lau, who had, she blew up her $8 million business last year. It was from this. She went into the scale phase and she was so insecure. She didn't, she'd never worked in a scaled company before. She didn't know what she was doing. And so she started hiring all of these in her video. She has like a 40 minute video on YouTube where she talks about, she started hiring all of these consultants and people to tell her what to do. And her business just started looking like it wasn't even hers and she hated working in it. And so this doesn't just happen in the start and validate. I see this at the multi-million dollar level. Consultants and agencies can be super helpful, but they're often used improperly. Like we were just saying, don't fill them in. Like if there's a if there's a skill your business needs in the long term, you don't want to fill it in with a consultant because then they're going to do something one time. But if it's something that you're going to need ongoing as a skill set, like copywriting, messaging, um, any sort of like branding or visual work, like certain things like that, you want to have enough of a skill set that you don't have a constant stream of having to hire things out. So it's either you have the skill or maybe you have a really talented VA or someone on your team that has a different zone of genius than you. And then the other thing, here's the other thing. Listen, if you're in an agency, I love you. But I also used to work in an agency. <laughs> My husband was joking. I used to work in an agency and to just buy an app that was like at least a million dollars. That was what it cost to develop an app with us. And uh, my husband was like joking to my neighbor the other day because she wants to develop like an app. And he was like, well, if you ask Catherine, it's going to be a million dollars. But we were like working with bigger companies like Disney, Under Armour, those kinds of people. And so they could afford something like us as an agency when I worked at that tech agency. But if you think about literally the model of how an agency makes money is they hire junior level people. And then they charge you as the client senior level prices. That's where the margin for an agency comes in, right? Whereas if you're a small business, you why would you want to pay senior prices for junior talent? Like just go work with a like work with someone who has a small business themselves or bring someone on house. Like really, there's just I have a lot of thoughts. Specifically, I see a lot of like beginner entrepreneurs hiring like like really fancy podcast agencies and spending a lot of money. It like makes zero sense. If you're not at the multi-million dollar level, I really question why you would ever need anything within the agency model. Um, and again, if you need skill in anything that's ongoing, if you hired out to consultants or agencies, you're basically, they're bringing you the fish. They're not teaching you to fish. And so you're going to either have to keep paying them oftentimes like 
inflated prices. So your profits will get lower, or you could just learn how to fish yourself. Um, the overinvesting last, I think this is the last one. I'll be hiding back here behind these organized systems. So I had this picture earlier, but this is the people where it's like, they're scared to show up. They're scared to be seen. They have some like internal rebranding to do in their relationship with themselves. And because they aren't doing that, they like want to feel productive. So they're like wasting a lot of time, hours, money, all the things on fancy systems when there's like literally no humans to put through the systems that they're building. Right. And so this one's sneaky because it feels productive. Like you could work all day and you could like tell your partner, like, I had a big day. I did this and this and this and this. And you're like literally not even a step closer to a sale. You always want to focus up here first then here, and then building out the back of house as you're filling it out with more and more clients. Okay, this is more for the scale phase, but team overgrowth is another thing. I see in the, like, I would say 500,000 and up going into multiple millions, but in scaling businesses, I see this as one of the largest issues. Hiring people to try to fix problems that are really like systems problems, workflow problems, business structure problems, that are not like adding more people to that does not help. It actually, it's just, it's going to feel messy. It's going to feel disorganized. It's going to feel like hurting cats and adding more people to that actually just lowers the profit margin. So throwing money at problems, it turns out doesn't inherently solve the problems. <laughs> and so you always need, I, with my clients, I'm always looking at like, what's the root cause of the problem and let's knock out the root. So the whole thing threads up and we can amplify the profitability quickly. All right, now let's talk about underinvesting. Okay, if you are at less than $100,000 per year and you're like eating hand to mouth, like you're eating basically, like your baby business is like bringing in money and then you're like taking it from the baby and you're like, you will be malnourished and I will go <laughs> to the restaurant, right? You want to just be aware that you're doing that and make sure that whatever the business needs to thrive and really grow sustainably, that you're doing that first. And then if there's money left over, for sure, go to the restaurant, okay? Um, if you're in scarcity and you're like trying to cobble together free trainings, podcasts, et cetera, and it's like creating confusion or hesitation rather than clarity and confidence because you're like being too, you're like, ooh, I'm being too cheap and you're trying to stitch stuff together. And then it's like actually uh, making you more confused and it's taking you longer and you're like further back than you were before you listened to all this stuff because now you're just more confused. Um, you probably, yeah, you just need to hire someone to help you. If you think you need to extract every ounce, I see this a lot. If you're like, oh, I already have like this thing and this thing and this thing. And like, I didn't do the whole program or I didn't do the whole thing. So like, I can't buy anything new. That's like, it's the same psychology of, um, and I used to do this too. So no shade if this is you, but there used to be a time when I would go to a restaurant and if I paid for a meal, even if I was done, like I felt like mm, that meal was delicious. I feel complete. I would force myself to eat the rest of the food on the plate, even though I didn't want to, I had reached, like I was satiated in my body, but my mentality was like, well, I paid for it. So like, because I paid for it, I have to eat all of it. And that is like, scarcity, right? Right. Whereas if you're just like, no, no, no. Why did I pay the money? Oh, I paid the money to have a meal that I really enjoyed. So I'm going to eat about half of the meal and I'm going to feel complete. And I'm either going to take home the rest for later, or I'm going to just send it back to the server and say, no, thank you. I'm not going to make myself eat more 
then and like gorge myself like in a way that doesn't feel good. And this happens with people investing in programs and trainings. Um, I was actually just thinking I forgot to put the screenshot in, but I literally I think it was two weeks ago I spent five hundred dollars on a course for a bonus template. I don't ever even know if I'm going to ever touch anything else in the course. But there's a specific thing that my operations manager has had trouble with on the back end of my company. And so I saw this course and then I saw it was like a screenshot of a template that was offered inside as a bonus. It wasn't even part of the main course. And I was just like, oh, I think I need that. And if I could get that for just $500, my operations manager can do this and it like makes things flow a lot easier. And so I think it's just like, and I have no thoughts on if I ever use the rest of that course or not, because I didn't buy it to like make myself eat all of it. I bought it for what my business needed and I got what my business needed. And then I'm going to move on to the next program or course. Um, if your investments feel like a cozy blanket, but you want to go big in your business, there's an energetic mismatch. Um, I think I mentioned on day one, my client Beanie, who was on the podcast recently, it's like episode 180, I don't know, in the 180s. But she has had a thousand percent growth in her business in the last eight months of working with me. She started when she joined eight months ago, she was at $30,000 in the last year. And in the first six weeks of this year alone, she's at $17,000, right? And when she came on the podcast, what she talked about was like, I was like, wow, like what would you attribute to that? And one of the biggest things she said was like, this was the first, it was the biggest business investment I ever made to go into the Words of Wands mastermind. But she had been playing small in her other business investments. She's like, oh, a $3,000 course here and a $5,000 like little mastermind here. But it felt cozy. It was like with mentors that felt cozy. It was with like, it wasn't asking her to go outside of her comfort zone, right? And so if you're wanting to really stretch and grow, that starts from the first decision that you make with the coach or mentor that you hire. So it's like, does that person feel like a stretch and expander for you? And then also I totally believe in like the investment being part of that, like as the symbolism of like, I'm going all in. And I see that for people when they come in and they make an investment, they show up differently to it. Um, this is actually my husband. Two years ago, he hired his first executive coach. And it, when I tell you, like my husband has been at the same company almost 10 years and his career trajectory before and after working with his executive coach is like night and day. And he was going to hire an executive coach. And he asked me, obviously I'm a coach. So he was like, do you have recommendations? So I got him some recommendations of potential coaches that he could work with. And one was like, my husband works in tech. So one had like a client roster from Google and Airbnb and things like that. It felt super safe. And then one was like this coach that I actually went through training with. He was the former CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He had like been in the military. He like he was a really you could feel his heart. He was like such a good guy, but he was a bad ass. And so when my husband looked at it, one the investment was smaller over here, and, and it just felt like a cozy blanket. And he was like, well, maybe like this coach over here will be like training wheels for like this one I really want. And I was like, fuck no. You have to hire this one because he like let, he was like a CEO of a, an entire company and you want to be bigger in your business, like in the company. And um, since my husband went and made that decision to like, actually, he wanted to expand in the company and be bigger in the company as an executive in his company. And he made the decision to, to not hire the one that felt cozy and to hire the one that felt like a stretch. And that has stretched my husband. Like 
He got the biggest bonus he's ever gotten in his life last year. He is like this close to the CEO at this point. It's insane what's happened in just two years from him actually deciding to make that energetic match with where he wanted to go. Um, next, if you're trying to contort yourself into a space um, that that's something that it isn't because you're like trying to save money. Like, let's say there's like uh, a coach that you like, but they have like a lower group program. And you're like, maybe I can just get in there and like treat it. Like maybe they'll be my private mentor. Like if you're trying to do weird things like that, just know that's not what it's there for. Like different things have different, like if you want a private mentor, hire a private mentor. If you want a high level mastermind, enjoy a, a high level mastermind. Um, if you want like a community, then something like a membership is beautiful, right? But like different programs and different groups have different types of energy. And you want to make sure like you're joining something, not trying to make it something that it isn't just because you're trying to like save money that's under investing. And finally, strategic investments. All right. We've already talked about this, so I'm not going to be the dead horse, but focusing on that front of house business building skills to create demand. And then if after working with a bunch of clients, you're like, oh, I have a gap in my delivery, prioritizing investment in the skill of your craft 100%. Um, as you become fully booked, creating a separate account for profits to either have for business reserves or for your arsenal that you're like putting to the side when you go to scale. I think it's a really good idea to have it as in a separate account, like a high yield savings account. And if you want details on that, you can go get the Wealth Codes course I talked about in the beginning. Um, you can give yourself a seed fund if you're in the beginning. Um, the same way that like any business like has some initial round of funding. I see so many people that are like, oh, I'm going to allow myself to invest in my business after I like sign some clients. And I'm like, how you see the logic gap there? <laughs> like, you need a seed fund to like learn some of the skills to actually be able to like make money. And so give yourself whatever that is. So for me, I chose $30,000. I got coach training. I bought a program. I joined a high-level mastermind when I was at around like $30,000. Um, that was what I chose. You get to decide whatever works for you, but give yourself that seed fund in the beginning. Um, and then reinvesting heavily back into your business and your money-making skill sets during the start and validate phase, like heavily and the scaling phases, and then whatever maintenance of that, if that's just something you love to have, keep that in the growth and the stabilized phase as well. And then focusing on raising profitability in the growth and refined stages. Um, and then this is, if you like really see, you're like, I know I have everything. It's like, I have the branding and messaging down. Like, I just want like a quick infusion of cash. You could totally take on, like you could go to a bank. Like if you're an empire building entrepreneur and you want to go to millions within like a year, I have seen it done, <laughs> right? But then you would just need to make sure that you have some funds to deploy. And again, I come from the tech world. This is why tech companies scale so fast. They get VC funding and they use that to scale. Um, but never, ever taking on strategic debt from the place of like, oh my gosh, I need this. And I hope that this will like save or fix me or my business. Only ever doing it from like a super empowered. I know what this is for. I know where I'm, I would put the money and I know like this is the bet I'm making. And I, these are these are the reasons why I think this is the bet to make. All right. So this is the magic zone. Your first $100,000 to $200,000 focusing on your brand and your messaging and then your delivery. And then going into the magic zone up to a million, really building out that big back of house to house all the people as you start to work with, you know, 100 clients, 1,000 clients at a time. All right, let's recap. All right, we, you're walking away with detailed profit planning for each of the four distinct phases of business building. 
guidelines for where and how to invest depending on your phase and your archetype, the biggest money mistakes per phase that harm your pathway to profit, and how to discern between over-investing, under-investing, and strategic investments. All right. Over these three days, this is it. We're coming to the end. You know so much more than you did just a few days ago. Like you can save this and come back to it. I hope you took screenshots. Like, you know, actual profit margins for every one of your phases. Three days ago, you might not have even known what the distinct phases were. Now, you know, like these are the mistakes I could possibly make. I don't want to do those things. I'm going to do this instead. These are the skills that I need to focus on. This is what I do here, here, and here. Like, it's like, oh, I, I don't have my puzzles today. I forgot to get them. They're like in the... <laughs> in my kid's playroom, right? But you have the puzzles. Just imagine I'm holding them, right? And you know then how to bring your unique business brilliance zone to the puzzle that you want to build for yourself, given what the business that you specifically want to build. All right. For women who are ready to take the next step, you felt into me for the next, like the past three days. And you're like, I want to work deeper with you. There are two masterminds that I run. One is a messaging mastermind. It's the Words Are Wands Mastermind. And if you are past messaging, if you have the brand and the messaging down and you're really going to scale and you are looking at more of the scale or like refined stabilized phases, then pleasure and precision is your next stop. And if you're interested, I will be running open houses and open house for words or ones and the pleasure and precision salon. So at 11 a.m. CST tomorrow, we'll be sending you all links for this. And at 1 p.m. tomorrow, I'll be doing the pleasure and precision salon. So if that sounds like something you're interested in learning more about, I invite you to join me there. And then for those of you who are like, you know, maybe you're in more of the start validate phase, or maybe you're like, you, you feel like you've learned about things and you're like, I think brand is more of my work right now. I'm going to tell you a bit about the brand alchemy accelerator, and then we'll go for questions. So in the brand alchemy accelerator, it's pretty magical. There is an entire portal on every single thing you need. We, we divide it up basically between an internal rebrand and an external rebrand. And the internal rebrand, it's like, it's, you have to rebrand yourself to yourself. It's like, how do you perceive yourself? Are you allowing yourself to show up super powerfully to the market? Do you, are you like, do you feel like you have to color in the lines? Like, are you putting a bunch of rules on yourself? That's the internal rebrand work. And then the external rebrand stuff is like all of this juicy. There's so many fun Pinterest boards just flying around at any given time. We cover positioning, pricing to match your positioning, building out a brand content strategy, um, your visual brand. So like every layer of externally rebranding yourself in the marketplace and showing up with a stronger presence to a more easily attract in best fit clients. That curriculum, it's a masterpiece. You will have your exact next step, whether it's like an internal thing or an external thing. It will be at your fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days per week. We also have an incredible global community. I think we have like 140 people in there right now. And it is so much fun to tap in at any given time. These are some of the examples of like some of the photo shoots work that people have done. This is actually a picture of my client Clover and my client Cheryl, who both, I don't know if they met in Canada or, or in Asia, because I think one of them lives in Asia and one of them lives in Canada, but somehow they found themselves in the same country at the same time. And they had brunch because they had met in the Brand Alchemy Accelerator. So when I say we've had people like meet up and go to like Broadway shows together. So not only is it a super fun digital community for you to like plug into, like if you feel like these people are your jam, like plug in and get connected with them. Um, it's not just 
incredible for your business, but it is just like, again, I really believe in the power of networks and the type of people you're surrounding yourself with. And we have such an incredible group of like really heart centered people, um, that are always there to cheer you on. So if you want to feel super deeply supported through every step of your journey, this is, there's no better place on the internet. And then we have weekly hot takes and pop-up monthly membership events. So this is this is a sample of like what the hot takes look like inside of our portal. So every single week you get a chance to ask me any question you have about anything you're doing in the portal. And I will give you very specific personalized feedback based on what your question is. And this is, you can see it's timestamped. So once you click in here, we can see here, Brenda's asking about a social media thing. Here, Melissa's asking about how do I overcome fear and resistance about being indecisive? She was wanting to announce a rebrand to her audience. Um, how can I effectively re like, so you can see once you click into it, you'll know the timestamps, is this relevant to me or is it not? And then at our pop-up monthly events, this was a screenshot that I pulled. We had a peer portal recently where we opened and it was so fun. I think we had like 30 people uh, out of like the whole crew came live for that call and we broke out. They went into small groups and really focused on their brand content strategy, their marketing, how they were showing up and to have that, that group to like plug into, it just feels so good to like just connect. And then it, it feels like then when you connect on the calls, then you can um, it's like you have that deeper level of connection then once you're all hanging out inside the private community on Facebook. So, um, we have a lot of like, I have specialized trainings actually in like two weeks, we have the only graphic designer I have ever hired. She has done several of my sales pages. She's coming in doing a guest masterclass on the five elements to how to design like a magnificent sales page. So it's like, literally any possible thing you would ever need. It's like, how do you manage yourself in that much abundance is basically the vibe of the Brand Alchemy Accelerator. Um, so this sounds good. We've gone through all of these things. The price for the six-month membership is $19.97, and the price for a 12-month membership is $3,500. And because we're in this yummy growth and scale phase, we're doing a bonus, which is super fun. So the first 10 people who join are going to get to have their social media audited by me. And then everyone that joins before Sunday at 1159 CST, you're all going to get to come to that call and watch me audit 10 people's social media like live. So for the 10 people, you're going to be able to submit your stuff. If you know, if you're like hearing this and you're like, I... <laughs> I definitely want to grab one of those for sure. Just head to the link down at the bottom. Just join the membership. We're going to be able to track who the first 10 people are. We'll let you know and we'll get you the information for the social media audit. And then every single person, even if you're not on the first 10, the, seriously, um, the, the audits that I do, because usually I only do these in like my high level masterminds. But when I was like, what would make this super juicy for the people who like really are like feeling into like, this is my work right now. There's just something to be said for watching me go through in real time. It's one thing to conceptually talk about it, but for me to actually pull up your social media and show you like, do this here, do that here, do this here. And this is why, and this is the business best practice. And I can see the energy of your grid is kind of off like this. Um, one, I think it's like you learn to see it because it's so easy when you see it in someone else's stuff. Sometimes it's hard to see on your own. And so even if you just join by the end of day Sunday, you're going to learn so much from watching those 10 audits come through. So that is if joining the accelerator feels aligned, it's going to be good. All right. So that is that. Now, before we go, 
drop your biggest takeaway in the chat. You know, you all know the deal. I want to hear your biggest aha, your biggest insight, your biggest takeaway before we go to Q and A. Oh my God, is there no replay of this? No, there's a replay. Chill out. <laughs> so that's encouraging regarding Uber. I've been at my company for 14 years. Yeah, I mean, I think it is just like, it depends on the amount of... Um, like when you think about what Uber was doing, Uber was basically, it, they're building an entirely new system that never existed before in the world, right? Like ride sharing, we never heard of that before. It, it sounded like crazy. I remember like, um, I lived in San Francisco when it came out and Lyft was also something that existed at, like in San Francisco at the time. And they had these pink mustaches, like legitimately the drivers would wear an actual physical pink mustache on the car. I don't know. They've gone away since then. They don't do that anymore. But like you would know that it was a Lyft driver because you would see it had a pink mustache on the front. And my mom came out and she was like, you shouldn't get one of those cars. Like those seem dangerous. I was like, what? Like the drivers have reviews. Like it's all very safe. Right. But like when you're building something that's never been built before, it requires a heavy amount of money going into it before you're going to see profitability versus like, I don't know, let's say you're starting something like a, what has like, like if you're selling water on like a super hot day at the park, like if you're not selling out the water, like we really need to look at what's happening. Like that should get immediate profitability because you're just meeting demand, right? You're like, there's already demand. There's nothing you have to do. It's just like, you're thirsty. Here's the water. Right. And so I think, especially because I work with a lot of people in expertise based businesses, it's a little bit like the, the reason why I keep talking about branding and messaging so much is it's just a business principle that try before you buy is like the thing to do. Um, like at a restaurant, if they give out a sample or something like that, right? Like if you have a good product, if you let someone try it, they're more likely to buy it. And so it's why so many people in, if you are a consultant, a coach, um, a designer, like if you do something like a service-based business, an accountant, something like that online, the way that you give try before you buy is through content marketing. There's just a lot of people that don't learn how to do that in a way that actually quickly generates them clients. So, all right, that is that. I'm going to stop to, and then we'll go for questions. All right, what y'all got? <laughs> I love it. Is there a number of people like this? I'm going to have a sip of water because we have just covered a lot of information. Can you talk more about the balance of investing appropriately given your stage paying off debt and maximizing your profit margin. I can talk a little bit about this. I also don't know if you haven't done my Wealth Codes course, I would highly recommend you taking that there. I go into a lot of this there. There is, um, and I'll talk about it conceptually here. I do think like if you have a financial professional that you work with, like you would take this to them, but you can also do this on their own, your own. Like I literally, we don't have a wealth manager. I just manage our wealth. I'm just very good at this stuff. Um, but I always just have to say like, I, it's not like I'm like your wealth manager. I'm just talking to you through like a, a question here. Right. But I'll conceptually, I can give you a sense. So I, maybe actually a story would be helpful. So I had a client, um, DL and DL came to me when she was making like around $5,000 a month. And she had a lot of student loan debt. And when she came in, I think it was the first time. And I think at the time I was so cheap to work with then it was like $6,000 for one-to-one. -one. It's like unbelievable that I was ever that cheap. Um, and, but for her, that was expensive. Like that was a, an amount that felt really expansive for her. Cause she was sort of like, 
Um, I remember she talked about it, like the forever 21 of like courses and investing. She was like trying to get little pieces of the puzzle by just buying little two and $300 courses. And so to invest with me, it was this opportunity to like someone who can see the big part of the puzzle. They like see all the things. Um, and so she invested with me. And I remember one of the things that, um, was a big thing for her was what do I do about my student loan debt? So you said paying off debt. And I just took it to her. I was like, this is just a math problem. Because one of the things we looked at, we got her making money so quickly in her business. We just looked at, you have to look at the percentages. Like if you get really good with business money making skill sets, um, it actually oftentimes makes sense to carry debt. And so something I talk about in wealth codes, this is why when you see rich people like Mark Zuckerberg owns Facebook and he holds a mortgage. What? Like, why would why would Mark Zuckerberg choose to hold debt? He's like, oh, because as a business owner, I want to have more to invest in my business because like the percentage of like the interest on the loan of my house is lower than if I invest into my company, I'm going to get higher returns. So I'm just going to keep paying the bare minimum on my house, right? And so that was something with DL that I had, we just had to work on the math of like, she went from, God, it was like, it's, she was making like, $200,000 in her nine to five and then $300,000. She hit a million dollars. Like she's just making so much money. And she just got to the point where it was like, I don't, what? Like my student loan debt, like if I keep reinvesting in my business right now, where are the returns, right? So you, if you look at the, if you invest into your business and you're seeing it have returns, it's just looking at what are the returns here versus what is the percentage of debt? And so I think it depends on what the percentage interest is on the debt you're carrying. Because if you have something great, like if you have like a 25% interest, right? And then you're only making this much over here, then maybe you do throw off. Does, does, hopefully that's making sense to you. You can like respond in the Q&A with a follow-up. I'm happy to riff with you on this. Um, but I, I think one of the biggest issues I see is like debt is like not bad, that is not necessarily bad. I was raised to have like a huge fear of debt. Like one of one of the stories of actually how I got really good at money management was I was terrified of taking on student loan debt. So like when we were in our early 20s, we just saved enough money to send my husband to Carnegie Mellon for his master's degree. And I that was a financial mistake. Like if we had just taken that money and put it into the market, we would have made a lot more. I don't regret it. It's not worth regretting. Um, but it really is like... Um, strategic debt is it's a whole strategy in finance, right? I know a lot of people who are finance, like real estate investors, their whole thing is like, you, you don't want to get over leveraged, but the way that they build their wealth is actually just having debt on the houses and then understanding how to play the money. Um, so I think I would just like, I would look at really, um, if there's something inside of you, which is really what I work on with people. And if there's ever like a shame around debt, shame around carrying debt, shame around having debt. There's nothing, I feel very strongly about this. Like we are not taught this stuff in school. Like we learn what type of clouds exist in the sky and like what the parts of a flower are. And we don't learn this stuff in school around like debt and percentages and credit and high yield. And like, I had to learn, like I had to just read books and teach myself this like in, when, in my early twenties. Um, and so if you don't know it, like just to let go of any shame around having the debt, which I know is easier to say than like maybe do sometimes, but if you can really get to there, it's like, I didn't know there's no use like beating yourself up or if any of that, I just want to like give you a permission to, to like forgive yourself. And then it's just looking at the math 
of what are the percentages of like the interest and then pay off if you have debt um, and you want to make a debt plan, pay off the ones with the highest interest first and pay those down first. And then some that just have a small, like we literally, like we could pay off our house so easily, but I'm like, why would we do that? We like, we got, I don't know if it's like 2% interest or something. It'd be like silly for us to like pay off our house when we could go invest in. So we invest in real estate. I'm investing in my business. Um, even though we have literally money and a savings account, I could just pay off my house right now, but it's like, it's because of the math. Hopefully that makes sense to you. Um, okay. Okay. Totally makes sense. Perfect. Beautiful. All right. I realized I'm clearly in the start and validate phase, focusing on things in the growth and scale phases. I'm super excited about the clarity around where my energy and effort will get the greatest return. Yes. This is like, listen, I am just so grateful to have like had the time to like break this all down. Cause I just see so many people focusing. It's like, it keeps them in low revenue cycles. And when you know where you are and you know what the focus is, it's like the world opens up. So um, I am so glad. All right, I think that is it for questions. So that is that. Um, you're gonna have links for the open houses going to your inbox. So that will all come to you. I don't know if it's not there already, it'll be there soon. So for those of you who are interested into coming into one of the masterminds with me, I'll see you tomorrow. And um, for those of you that are like either either like earlier on in your business or you're just feeling like you know brand is your first step, come join us in the accelerator. We would love to have you and I'll see you around on the internet. Bye.